Hello, I'm Lindsay Mills, co-creator and director of Sunflower Bridge, and you're listening to the Sunflower Bridge podcast, where we talk about being with children. Take a breath and smile with us. <laughs> Today, we are thrilled to have a very special guest with us. Feather Burkauer is the founder of Parenting Safe Children, a licensed clinical social worker, and one of the nation's leading experts in child sexual assault prevention. She's dedicated her career, which now spans over three decades, to educating parents and youth professionals on how to make their communities off limits to child sexual assault. Using her community-based approach, she's trained over 150,000 school children, parents, and youth professionals across the United States. And many hundreds of those parents and youth professionals have actually been families, teachers, and staff from Sunflower Creative Arts, myself included. And Feather's workshops really empower adults to keep children safe from child sexual assault. She makes this difficult and highly sensitive topic way less scary and consistently impresses her audiences with knowledge, commitment, and warmth here to help us understand how we as adults can be better allies in the fight to end child sexual abuse. Feather, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lindsay. It's so wonderful to be here. I love you all just dearly, and I'm honored to talk to you. So thanks. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And we were especially excited to be able to feature you on the podcast during uh, Child Abuse Prevention Month, which is the month of April. Right. Yeah. Big month so, to put a spotlight on keeping kids safe, right? Right. We yeah. we need to put the spotlight on it so that we can raise awareness and bring more people on board to this fight. We like to ask all of our guests if you have a favorite memory of play for your childhood. Would you? share a, a memory of play with us today? Oh, I just love that question. I don't think we play enough, right, as adults, so. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, when I was reflecting on this, the first thing that came to mind was summer at about, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years old, maybe somewhere in there, maybe nine, uh, long summer days from sun up to sundown when myself and all my friends would be outside playing. And one particular memory I have of the humidity, and I lived in New York, so the humidity and the smell of the trees and of grass. Mm -hmm. Yes. And my friend down the street, which felt like a mile away, what, what was probably only four or five houses, had a uh, pool, an above ground pool. Mm. And I remember this one day where I threw on my bathing suit, I grabbed a towel, waved to my mom barefoot and ran as fast as I could. And I can still feel and smell and <laughs> the whole feeling of this of the cement on my bare feet running as fast oh, as I could <laughs> to her house because I knew as soon as I got there, I'd be able to jump in to her pool and just splash and play and it's just etched in my mind, the, even more than the swimming, the run down that sidewalk. Wow. I yeah. love that, Feather. That is such a sensory, <laughs> multi-sensory memory. Yes. Uh, yeah. So thank you for 
asking me that so I can have that memory. Yes, I think yeah. we all really benefit from calling up those memories and getting back in touch with that carefree child self. Yes. Well, you have devoted yourself in your career wholeheartedly to creating a world free from child sexual assault. So I was wondering if you would share your personal vision and explain why educating our communities is such an important part of this work. Sure, I'd love to do that. So let's see. My vision, like you said, like you said, is a world free of the sexual violation of children where adults are taking the responsibility for keeping children safe and where we are taking the burden off of children to have to protect themselves, which is why I focus so much of my work on helping parents and caregivers and school personnel, adults in children's lives, learn how to have conversations with other adults that parents and caregivers put their children in the care of, which I call a prevention team. And so often we, we put, I believe, the burden on kids to learn all this information about sex abuse prevention, which as you know, I'm all for educating children. And I do that in my workshops and my trainings, right? But really ultimately the responsibility is on us. And so educating communities about child sex abuse is, is just so important because it is an epidemic. It's a public health issue. And Absolutely. one that, right, and, and I know you know, because you've been in my trainings and I'm sure yes. you know this from, from elsewhere, it's, it's one that is just so difficult for people to face. And so we deny that this is really a problem. We turn away from it, which increases children's vulnerability because then we allow on some level, and I'm not putting blame on anyone, but by turning away from this crime, we there is opportunity and access. Yes. And so that's, you know, that's the other really important reason here is to bust the myths, to give honest, accurate information about how child sex abuse happens so we can all do our best every day with simple skills um, to keep children safe without scaring children, without scaring adults is what I try, how I try to approach this, but just talk about the topic because it's here and children are facing it. Yes. And I love this term pre prevention team, which you originated, correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. That term. Uh, and, and really, I think the initial statistics that you present in the parenting safe children workshop, which I had the good fortune of going through uh, when I came on board at Sunflower, those, those striking numbers about how common this kind of abuse is, uh, it really highlights how perhaps part of the reason why adults have such a hard time initiating these conversations is because many of us were victims of abuse and this kind of abuse as well. Absolutely. It's so true. And 
you know, when in my workshops, I talk about the barriers to prevention and there's so many, and that is one of them that, and we should probably say this right in the beginning for anyone listening who is a survivor, that this, you know, it's so difficult to be dealing with your own trauma from childhood. I know you talk about this so much at Sunflower, um, and then to be able to turn around and address this issue in, in the, these topics with your own children. So it really takes each person doing their own work, whether or not they are a survivor, but especially for people who have experienced this in childhood. You're so right. Yes, yes. It's worth and mentioning. How the community element is such a tool for us because it destigmatizes and allows people to realize in this safe space that we all have uh, people in our lives who are victims of sexual abuse. The statistics are such that we couldn't go this far in life without becoming close with with survivors. And so the the normalization of that this is an experience that so many people share, and it's not uh, something to be ashamed of. It is something to bring out into the light so that we can help prevent this from happening to our children. Right, exactly. And just to add one quick thing about that before we move on is that as a, a teacher or a staff at Sunflower, anyone who works with children just like you just said about, you know, we have people in our own lives who have experienced this as a, as a person who runs a school, you have had, you have, mm-hmm. or, you, or you will have children in your care who are, ex- have had, or are experiencing sexual abuse. Yes. So it's that, yeah, we need to keep learning and talking about this, which is Absolutely. what we're doing. Mm, yes. And in our quest to kind of build out family structures and community structures that are off limits to child sexual assault, what are some of these ways that you suggest for adults to actively keep children safe? Great. I'm so glad we're going to talk about this. So I'm going to outline just like a handful here if if we can do that. So. And this is kind of an overview of what I discuss in the workshop. So the first thing is be willing to learn the facts, you know, be willing. The first question I ask is, are you willing to feel a little uncomfortable so Mm. your children never have to? Wow. So learn the facts about how this happens to children from other children and from adults And what I mean is learn how grooming happens by adults and learn how children may sexually act out onto children. Be willing to learn and intervene if you see it. So that's one way. Another way is super important is to educate your children from the earliest of ages about their body, using correct terminology for their genitals, Yes. Um, providing accurate information about sexual development, about body functions, about sexuality, sexual health through all of their developmental stages. Um, you know, it doesn't stop at six or seven. It's all through adolescence. Um, educate your children about consent, 
which means truly allowing them to be in charge of their own body when it comes to affection and hugs and kisses, et cetera. And, and that this doesn't mean, you know, if your child needs their diaper changed that and they're screaming, you don't change their diaper. Right. <laughs> right. It's around affection and touch and body boundaries, et cetera. Yes. Um, another one that I like to always mention that is so hard for people, but we must talk about is to prevent children from pornography exposure, mm -hmm. if possible, because this is a huge uh, epidemic in children's lives is being exposed to porn. Yes, unfortunately, right? with the internet. Exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, I would say two more things worthy of mentioning is really creating a communication-rich culture in your home where your children can talk to you about absolutely anything and they know they will not be in trouble, that you will listen, they will not be shamed, and that there's this openness where your kids know you are the person they can come to. Uh, and listening to your intuition every single time when oh, it comes so to children. Yeah, I mean, I know that's a mouthful, but I wanted to, you know, give people just some bullet points of these are some of the ways that adults can keep children safe. And that all of that is really, Lindsay, focused on what we teach children. So I'm just going to take one more minute here, which is what I started with, where it's an adult's responsibility. Oh, please. Yes. Right. So the, I believe the most important way that we can keep children safe from sexual abuse is by being willing to have conversations about sex abuse, body safety, and all those things I just listed mm -hmm. with the people that your children spend time, the people that you put your child in the care of. When you drop your child off at school or a babysitter or gymnastics, that, yes. that, that you are willing to do the basics around body safety, that deters a potential adult who might have a sexual behavior problem with children mm -hmm. from targeting that child. Yes, I was always also very struck by that piece of your your approach because it it that is the single most effective way to take that burden off of children and to just ask adults to uh, rise to this occasion and to understand that the the most surefire way to uh, deter a, a potential um, abuser is to make it clear that that they will will be discovered that that the people that surround you and your family are clued in to this danger, and so we take care to make sure that 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 kind of behavior is stopped immediately upon seeing it. Right. And, and you're so right. And I love hearing you describe that because you obviously really understood the messages in the workshops that oh, I it's do. It's so powerful, Feather. There was, yeah. I, I've never met a parent who uh, went through the Parenting Safe Children training and came out on the other side the same. <laughs> it is a very transformative experience. And as you were saying earlier about 
being willing to be uncomfortable now so that your children never have to be. Um, I, I feel that is just the least we can do. (laughs) And uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to see the, the solidarity that arises once people have this, this knowledge. Right. And, you know, we should probably, or I should probably just explain that we, we don't mean here that children will never be uncomfortable. Life is uncomfortable sometimes. Yes. What I mean is important caveat. Right. The, the <laughs> hidden message there is they won't be uncomfortable with sex abuse, hopefully, because you're willing yes. to talk about it now. It still can happen. You can do everything right as a caregiver, as a parent, and it can still happen. So blame is never on the child or on yourself ever. So yes. I just I just wanted to say that part. And what's so interesting, I love hearing you say that parents walk away with, you know, you've never seen a parent not be affected by this message. But what's so interesting, Lindsay, is that in my decades of this work, when people leave this workshop, this training, even though I spend so much time talking about adult responsibility, the fallback seems to be on the focus on teaching children body safety. And the adult part you know, having conversations with your babysitter or your, you know, your school director seems so hard for people. There's so much shame that comes up, right? And, and worry that you're going to offend other people. And they're going to think you're accusing them. And there's, these are all the barriers. And that's what we need to break through. Right. Yeah. Uh, That actually reminds me of a a recent quote from your Instagram, which, by the way, is a wealth of information on this topic for anyone who wants to dive in and learn more. Um, It was regarding the the this discomfort that adults experience. And you said, as adults, how easy is it? to tell another person that you are uncomfortable with how close they are standing to you or how they are touching you or that you need more space or to set boundaries. Adults struggle with communicating these types of boundaries all the time. I know I have. I think we all all do on some level, yet we expect children to know how to do all of this for themselves. So as you just spoke about and as we've spoken about on this podcast before as well, at times we can have unrealistic expectations of children and also of ourselves. And many of us even lack any role models for uh, setting healthy boundaries. So as we begin to navigate conversations about consent, about body safety with children, Could you please tell us some of the specific skills we can put to use in our daily life to better support them? Hmm. Oh, man. So the truth, I don't have all the answers to this one. You know, (laughs) I've thought about this and I really, I think it begins with us doing the work on ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So we can pass that down to children. Yes, model it directly. Right, exactly. We need to practice the boundary setting in our own life so we can support children. So here's an example that I just thought of. So you're at, you know, a family dinner and 
someone at the table, these are people you love and you're close with your family, your friends, and someone is maybe tickling or touching or smooching on your child's face. Mm -hmm. And you can see your child does not want that. I'm, we're not talking about sexual abuse here. Okay. But there's, right. there's right. a touch that's happening and you can tell your child is uncomfortable. And so what we often will do is, is empower or direct the child to say, stop touching me, or I don't want that hug, or I don't, yes. you know, we educate the child. But what if the adult, what if I was the one to say, hey, mom, you know, right now, Lily doesn't really want a hug. Mm -hmm. Can you let her have a hug when she wants one, where we are helping do the intervention. So yes. we are modeling for the child. But how, my point is, Lindsay, how can we expect a child to stand up to an adult and say, I don't want to hug right now, or don't touch my private parts mm -hmm. when we can't do that. And this is no blame, really. I mean, I had an experience, literally, I mean, I teach this stuff and I try so hard with my own boundaries, but just this week, mm -hmm. someone was helping me with something on my phone and I'm pretty short and this person was much taller than me and they were standing over my shoulder, like uh -huh. literally breathing on me. And I have, <laughs> you know, I'm very careful around getting sick and COVID and all of it. And so they yes. were so close to me and I, I, in that moment had a hard time saying, you know, can we stand a little further apart? And oh, so, I hear that. Do you? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm so glad mm -hmm. it's right. It's so hard, but the point is we need to recognize that it's hard for us. So how can we do all this focus of prevention, just telling kids to do it, you know, telling a child yes. to say, no, stop tickling me when we have such a hard time. Right. Yeah. I personally have adopted <laughs> one of your uh, catchphrases for body safety. I'm the boss of my body. Right. <laughs> I say right. that to myself sometimes. I say it uh, to, you know, friends that uh, I trust and and that I feel comfortable um, setting the that playful kind of boundary with. But I I think you're really speaking to the the experience of a lot of people listening that people are supposed to be able to to touch you or to uh, be close to you uh, without without asking consent. And so it is really up to us to create a new culture uh, in our communities since the culture at large doesn't really teach those those skills. Exactly. Exactly. We, you know, we, we would be told we are rude or offending. And you know, the bottom line is that I just don't think we can expect a child to speak up for themselves when we're not modeling that, especially around something as dangerous as sexual touch. Yes, you know? need to yeah. take it seriously yeah, and exactly. uh, confront <clears throat> our fears around it because ultimately it will be much easier to push through your resistance to having these tough conversations, then it, it will be to, to deal with the, the fallout of, of real abuse. Right, exactly. And, you know, one last thing about it is that children are often taught 
that it's their job to make other people happy, to manage other people's feelings. Yes. Right. And so that's so ridiculous. Right. And that's why we say, go give grandma a hug Mm -hmm. um, because she's going to be sad. Well, that separate from sex abuse, that is teaching emotional abuse. Yeah. It's teaching young young children to take on the responsibility of managing someone else's feelings. When we bring it back to sex abuse, which is what I'm you know, focused on, and that's the messages that I'm giving is that is a perfect opportunity for someone who is a perpetrator, an adult or a teenager. We haven't talked today really about kids who sexually act out, which is a great majority, yes. but with, with an older person, they're looking for those children who feel responsible for managing other mm-hmm. people's feelings, you know? And so yes. that's our job to let children know we are they are not responsible for man- managing anyone's feelings but their own. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you will protect them. They do not have to protect you. And you are strong enough to handle anything that they tell you. Even if you know they will, you will cry and fall apart. That's okay. Yes. In the presence of the child, right? Yes. You know, I would love to just return really quickly to that piece that you mentioned about being willing to have these these uh, conversations at home to have a communication rich home environment. Mm-hmm. And we talk so much about compassionate communication at Sunflower, and it it really is one of the most sort of baseline. Um, things that we need to shift uh, where we begin owning and taking responsibility for our own feelings. And that includes traumas and, uh, and sticky situations that trigger us. And although those feelings uh, aren't really in our control, we're going to feel what we feel. Having the strength to hold the feeling and share what you're honestly feeling with your child is putting that trust in them and and also sending the message that you are capable and that you can have big feelings and be okay. Absolutely. And I, I love that you said that last part because you can have big feelings, but if a child feels like they need to take care of your big feelings, mm-hmm. then there's, you know, that's not so healthy, but the way right. you posed it is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Feather, our final question before I let you go today is what is your favorite way to play right now? From childhood to now, right? So yes, full circle, I, full circle. I have a 26-year-old uh, horse named Elvis. Here he is. Elvis. I know nobody can see, but I'm showing you. And oh, hi, he's, he's turning 27, actually, in a couple of weeks. And my favorite way to play is just sitting with him, smelling the chlorophyll in the grass. Right now, it's spring here in Colorado, and watching him graze and kissing his nose and just spending hours with my horse. That's my favorite way to play. Wow. That that is such a beautiful play experience. And I'm sure a very deep relationship. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. So thank you for that question. I always love talking about Elvis. 
Oh, Feather, I am so, so grateful for the work that you do in the world. And I'm really happy that we were able to make this time to, to chat today because I think that this topic is, is so under spoken about and I, I really want to uh, help our community remain plugged in and, and become more of uh, their, our own prevention team. Right. Well, I, and so many of your parents come to these workshops and thank you so much. I mean, I know Sunflower supports parents to, and your staff to attend and, and just to let everyone know, I do April, like we said, is Child Abuse Prevention Month and I have two workshops coming up in April. Oh yes, so, please tell yeah. us about how we can attend your workshops. Yeah. Okay, so usually they're presented in two parts. Um, one, one part one on one weekend and part two on another, but in April I'm, I'm offering two different scenarios. The first workshop will be done all in one part uh, on April 16th, all in one day. And the okay. second one, the second one will be done in two parts like I do typically, which is April 22nd and 29th. So that's part one and two. And you can see all the times and dates and register at parentingsafechildren.com backslash calendar. It's the calendar on the website. Fantastic. I'll also yeah. make sure that we put all of the links to register in the show notes right. for the podcast. Wonderful. Oh, we hope you enjoyed this powerful conversation. If you want to learn more about child abuse prevention and building your own prevention team, we highly encourage Feather's workshops or her book, Off Limits. And thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you, Lindsay. If you'd like to connect more with us, you can send us an email at lindsay at sunflowercreativearts.org or you can find us on Instagram at Sunflower Creative Arts. The Sunflower Bridge podcast is kindly sponsored by Schweitzer Musical Productions.